One, two, yo, three. All right, sounds good. All right, guys, ready? Yep, 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 yep. Man, Steph Curry makes history. The Lakers are looking for a Westbrook trade. And what is going on with the New York Knicks? I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Ho, ho, ho. And I'm not talking about Sammy Jenner and John. <laughs> John, how you living, my friend? I can't believe that was just said. I'm, I'm good, though. I'm good. I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm a little shook, too. Sammy, how you living? Speechless, but enjoying the holiday season, apparently. <laughs> well, let's get to it, boys. Steph Curry. Chef Curry. The three-point god. Every every moniker you want to name him just broke the three-point record. Now with 29-77 threes, he broke Ray Allen's record of 29-73. What do you guys think of this, man? Well, if there was still a few haters trying to debate it before, undoubtedly there is no debate, there is no argument. We are watching the greatest shooter of all time at 33, the peak of his powers when a lot of guys are starting to fade off into the twilight and he looks like he's got four or five years left. Big ups to Steph, man, no matter how. If you like the Warriors or if you're not a fan of them, you can't help but like him and watch him play and just enjoy that you're watching greatness. You can see it. And the fact that it was done at MSG just makes it even better. The only spot that probably would have been better is if he did it at home, but MSG greeted him like he was in the Bay which was pretty awesome to show respect for a moment like that. So big ups to Steph. Yeah, it was, it's incredible to watch as a basketball fan. I know Warrior fans and Bay Area people, it was special for them, but as an outsider, as somebody who's not a Warriors fan, it was just incredible to see. And to do it in nearly half the games that Ray Allen did is mind blowing, to be quite frank. He is just undoubtedly, like what Sammy said, the greatest shooter of all time. And it's not even a debate. So it's one of those things where some things are debatable, but not this. And it's not even close. But I'm so happy for Steph. And, you know, he's going to shoot a lot more threes and make a lot more threes. So he's got a (laughs) long way to go. So this is just the start. He's going to annihilate this. He's going to annihilate it. Yeah. I'm about to cry, but um, I'm containing it. <laughs> JJ is actually wiping his tears with this Steph yeah. Curry shirt right now, or jersey right now that is rocking. Yeah, you know, um, it's just really cool, especially with the bond that we, us four have with basketball. We love basketball so much. We play it, we watch it, we grew up with it. And there are moments that we look back and we say, we, we could talk for hours. We even talk hours after we record the pod and these are the kind of moments where you could appreciate the game because there are these human beings that do these incredible acts of athleticism that only less than one percent of the world could do and Steph resembles that incredible athlete oh let me bring it back like he's not even that incredible athlete he has developed the skill set of shooting where it just seems like it's so easy. And I know the TNT crew says it's 
effortless, right? <laughs> right. And I think that's just awesome that they say that. As a Warrior fan, I always thought, man, if I lived in Chicago and I saw MJ, uh, that would be so great. You know, I'm jealous of John because he grew up watching Magic and Kobe. And to call Steph our own here in, at home in the Bay Area, it's, it's just a dream come true, to be qu quite frank. So props to Steph. Let me wipe my tears. <laughs> and you know, we, we were on the text feed after this happened, and, and JJ put it kind of beautifully. He said that, you know, we were having a debate whether or not, like, you know, Steph is over Kobe or Kobe is over Steph. Then JJ was like, basically saying that to him, Steph Curry, you know, is up there because, you know, after Jordan, we were sort of like just wanting more. Right, we wanted someone to pull us into basketball, and Steph Curry was that for us, uh, especially here in the Bay Area. Just as a little factoid here, this is Steph Curry's current career stats with shooting. His percentages from the field: forty-seven point five from three point, forty-three point one from the field from the free throw line. His ninety point seven. Oh. That means that this guy, his split at the end of a, uh, at the end of his career might be forty-eight. 40 and 90 which is absolutely ridiculous shooting over the course of his career we're not just talking about just a single season and people give props to 50 40 90 seasons all the time this dude is going to be close to that for his career it's absolutely incredible yeah. and the one other thing that i think a lot of people forget even probably all of us sometimes well outside of i don't want to speak for our Warriors fans here is just how many ankle injuries he had early in his career and that things easily could have gone in another way. And it's a combination to me of a couple things. One is clearly his own work ethic and his dedication, but two is the right fit, the right team, the right situation, even the right training staff. Because if he stays healthy, a player like this is transcendent. He's going to be great no matter what, but there is no way that there was a a better fit than putting him with Steve Kerr, with that training staff, with that front office. Perfect. This is when there's a beautiful mesh of player and organization and you get the maximum output from the player. And we all benefit as fans. Also that he was he was such an underdog going into college. At going into Davidson, he was they thought he was undersized, he was not, you know, bulky, he wasn't NBA body ready, but he showed up in Davidson. He was drafted high, and he started balling out in the NBA. And now he's one of the, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, clearly, and one of the greatest players to play the games. It's it's an amazing underdog story. And just to add on to what you two were saying, I I know people are saying he would have broke the record sooner or later, but what have we seen from these athletes? Don't take anything for granted. That's like the main thing, like. Derrick Rose, after his first MVP, there was so much promise. You have Penny, you have Grant Hill, you have all, like, countless names, and you never want to take these special players for granted. Right? True. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, with, um, you know, him talk, you talking about his work ethic, I just wanted to point out that, you know, with his ankles, the training staff actually saw a problem with the way that he was running. So he, had, he literally had to recreate the way that he runs around the court. And we all know how much running he does per game with his off-ball movement. So that's a testament to just his greatness 
another factoid. In the tunnel after the game, Steph Curry pulls out the Rolexes for Draymond Green and Andre Ugudala. So you guys, do you guys think this is an appropriate gift for him breaking the record? De- definitely. I mean, those guys in particular have been on the ride with him the whole time. And so I'm sure, I know that part of it was the assist amounts, but I'm sure there was more to it than that. It was funny that Katie tweeted asking for his. It's, you can afford it. Get your own damn Rolex. But. <laughs> Come on. Get it from Kyrie at the Whole Foods off of Broadway. Steph Curry is sending a G-Shock or a Timex. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to move on to the next topic here. We're actually going to put a team under the clinic microscope, and it was actually the team that the Warriors took down. It's the New York Knicks. They are 12 and 16, 12th in the East. They recently have seven losses in their last eight games. They've had, let's see, the 23rd most difficult schedule, the 24th most difficult schedule thus far. What do you guys think of the offseason, like promising New York Knicks, and now they're kind of going downhill? Does anybody think it's a coincidence that Kemba Walker was benched nine games ago? And they've lost seven of the last eight games. I mean, it's it's easy to to put say one plus one equals two, but I think some of it is about that. And I know that Kemba's been having a, was having a bad shooting game. He's not the greatest defender. And under Tom Thibodeau, a coach like Tom, he values defensive-minded players. But I think where it's overlooked goes beyond the stat sheet. Kemba Walker is another threat from three-point land. He's actually shooting. He was shooting 40, above 40% from deep this year, and that spaces the floor. He's also somebody that can drive and open things up for other players, which I think doesn't, that stuff like that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And one thing that the Knicks have been struggling with, I've, saw, I've seen a few games as we saw the game, they played the Warriors, and their issues were offensively. It wasn't the defense, it was that the ball was getting stuck, it wasn't moving, and I think Kemba Walker could help with that. Now, obviously, there are some other issues there, too. Julius Randle is one of those guys where he it feels like there's a ceiling with him. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I feel like he's hit that ceiling, and I don't know if there's any, there's any more room to go up. And I, that might be an issue. I think Randle might be better fit as a number two on a championship team, not a number one. Pretty, so pretty good. they're 12 and 16. The East is a lot stronger than it used to be. So they need to pick it up soon and they need to pick it up fast if they're going to make the playoffs. So it's tough, t- tough, t- tough to be a Nick fan. Sorry, Spike. <laughs> there, there are two off-season pickups in Fournier and um, Kemba. And Kemba, they haven't really contributed much. Especially Fournier, like he was one for five, and he just seemed like he wasn't even on the floor. You know, there are people when you watch basketball, you could see their presence, even though their stats don't say it. Like for example, Draymond Green or Iggy, you, or Iggy, you know they're on the floor, but right. for him, you don't even notice him. Bonafide scrub. You have Barrett, who's had shooting trouble. And I'm glad that John actually said this, which is Randall, terrible, terrible on transition D. Even the Nick fans are attacking him and wanting a trade. Get out of my I know last year they 
ended up with the fourth seed, and we wanted another Knicks versus Hawks playoff run this year. But man, they look they look bad right now. And I know Sammy, you watched them back in the day too. So I'm really interested to in hearing what you have to say about this team now. Well. There's a couple things where I agree with both of you on. One, I think they clearly need a number one. Randall was amazing last year. He's not a number one. They're not winning a title with him. So I think he could be a number two. I think Barrett could develop into a number three. Although he seems like he's regressed a little bit too, particularly on the offensive end. So you wonder if there's a trade out there for them to land a number one. Obviously, those guys don't grow on trees. Those are hard trades to make but that feels like it'll slot everyone else where they need to be. The other thing that's interesting, and we talked about it, it's Thibodeau. We expect the defense to be there. 2020, this team was fourth in defensive rating. This year has fallen off a cliff. They're 24th. Hold Most up. of their other Tough. ratings and rankings are similar. I mean, their offense is actually slightly better amazing as that is to say they were 22nd, now they're up to 20th. It's not a big jump, but they're similar. So they're, they're similar in assist to turnover ratio. They're similar to pace. So it just feels like there's the chemistry that was there last year isn't quite as existent. They do have a lot of players that can get on the court. So that's the type of team that, to me, you see a two to one, three to one kind of trade. Because you have 11 guys potentially that could be rotation players. That's too many. You need closer to eight or nine. So that's one thing that I see. And otherwise, it's just this is a team that's mostly built from their drafting. The, the, the guys they sign aren't main pieces. Like, they're shooters. That Kemba is supposed to be a complementary piece at this point in his career. Fournier is supposed to be the same way. They haven't quite fallen into place, but I think it all relates back to they need a guy at the end of the game that they can give the ball to and have confidence that he can create his own shot. And sometimes that's Randall and sometimes it isn't. So yeah, I'm- that's, that's how I'm seeing it. You know, I agree with you, Sammy, and I think the problem was is that what they banked on during the offseason was was basically the team that they had was the best version of the Knicks that you were going to get. They didn't want to make a lot of big changes. They got Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, like we were saying, just to improve the offense. But they're not good defensive players, so that's why we're seeing a big drop-off in defense because those two players early on were playing a lot of minutes because... They're like, well, we need to fix the offense. But the thing is, is that if your number one is Julius Randle, and I said this last year, I said, how good is Julius Randle really? Like, is this the best version of Julius Randle we're going to get in 2020, 2021? And guess what? It kind of was, right? That might be the best version that we're going to get. And that might be it for the Knicks. I don't know what else that what else they could do besides making a trade for hopefully a better piece, a more complimentary piece to Randall instead of just relying on him to do everything. Because I think that's sort of where they're at right now. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I, I do. And I think you look at some of the pieces they have between Quickly, Toppin, Robinson. These are all young guys, cheap contracts that other teams will want. Yeah, so I think they're they're pretty good value. Yeah, pieces, there's actually. a there's a trade out there for them. It's just who's that team and are they willing to do it? Like you know who I would personally love to see there, and I know we're going to talk about trades later. I think Demontis Sabonis would be great on this team, and I know he's not necessarily a number one, but he's a great passing big. He could slot in next to Randall, play the five. And Randall can be a little bit of a ball stopper sometimes, and they don't have a traditional point guard right now. They're playing Burks. 
A guy like that who can move the ball, keep the flow of the offense going, I actually think would unlock that offense a lot, despite Thibodeau's tendency to play a lot of iso ball. So right. I, I think that might be the kind of player they need. I don't, like, again, I don't think Sabonis is a one, but I think he would drastically improve that team's offensive flow. Yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit or $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, let's just take it to the next segment, which is basically the, un the unofficial trade season is here. And December 15th is uh, viewed as the unofficial start, basically because um, players or free agents who were signed uh, the prior offseason become eligible to be dealt. So Sammy just gave uh, an excellent trade idea. Do you guys have some, some other ones? I think we need to cover what we've been covering. We need to cover again what we've been covering the past few episodes, which is LeBron and Dame need help or a change. Especially Dame. Dame, they're they're falling sideways. Um, he's a top seventy-five player, whether you agree with it or not. Dude, is this another episode that I love Dame again and I have to? <laughs> you lose. It's someone help me out here. That's unofficially I'll, I'll, I'll the name of the you. podcast, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take out the all NBA moniker. I just put I love Dame instead. But JJ, I agree with you. That's the trade that I'm waiting for is for what the Blazers are going to do because they got to find a way to go get Miles Turner or go get Sabonis or someone from the Pacers or maybe go get Ben Simmons and just help Dame out, man. I still got to go out. the opposite oh. way on this. I think if they miss the plan, which Jay mentioned that go we have a text chain, if... Uh, in our text chain, we were talking about that. If they miss the plan, I think Dame does not come back to the team next year. I think he gets Ooh. traded. Ooh. What? So they John. might make an in-season move, but I just don't think. Uh, I think they blow it up in the offseason if they don't even make the plan. Do you want me to comment further on the Blazers, or have we be beaten that horse to death? <laughs> With other trades. Other we got trades. Other trades. Or, okay, or okay other trades. I'll move on to, to other teams. So I know that the Lakers are on here. We love to talk about their struggles but i will say that they have been playing much better as of late they won three in a row i know that luca wasn't playing tonight against the mavs lakers missing we're missing some people due to health and safety protocols but one thing i've noticed which was their issue or their biggest struggle was the defense but they're actually 11th which is average they're in their defensive rating at 107.2 so they've definitely improved in that statistic so I, I think there's still room to grow and still room to build that cohesion. So that, like I said at the beginning of the year, I want to give it more time. I know people were panicking and saying, well, they need to make a move, but I wanted to give at least half the season and they're showing improvement, which I like. So I, I think the Lakers should stand pat 
unless they find unless they find some well stand pat in terms of their their superstars their main pieces which is obviously lebron westbrook and ad now if they can find value and trade guys that aren't really getting playing time or maybe don't fit then i think you obviously have to pull that trigger but in terms of any big moves i would i would stand pat for the lakers as of now so you you want the lakers to hold on to westbrook as of today december 15th 16th what's today the 15th the 15th come 2022 i might have a new year's resolution and i might want to send them packing but as of now no i want to keep him listeners mark here in the news though guys (laughs) isn't he in the news today a little bit a little bit apparently the lakers don't agree with john on this one Um, or it's fake news (laughs) (laughs) listeners please mark this date that we found one fan who wants to keep westbrook on the lakers there's one you know i'm Uh, i'm gonna pat myself on the back a little bit because when the lakers got westbrook I remember putting my conspiracy hat on and telling John, I was like, I don't think Westbrook is the last move. I think he's actually just a move to match contracts to get something bigger. So, I mean, if it does happen, that'd be freaking awesome because I'd feel really smart. Nice. Anyway. Um, <laughs> can I uh, can I add on yeah, some? Go ahead. Just, I could talk about trades legitimately for hours on end, so I have a few quick things. I'll, I'll try not to... 20 minutes here Uh, on one front we we've talked about teams that we think potentially could be fire sale or what have you among those Pacers Kings and Pelicans I actually like all three of those as potential spots for Ben Simmons I think Simmons needs to go to a team where he's out of the spotlight clearly that's not his forte where the team could be built around him which I think it would be in any of those situations so I like that as one idea and clearly all three of them have the pieces Uh, and sake of argument for the Pacers, take a pick of any of those players that we've talked about, Levert, Sabonis, Turner, could in their case probably Levert would be probably Levert, yeah. Would be the basis there, which isn't quite enough, but you could build a package around him. With the Kings, you could easily go with Fox, Bagley, Heald, all those pieces that we've talked about. The Pelicans a very interesting trade that I heard uh, proposed was Ingram for Simmons straight up. That was a very interesting Ooh. one that actually makes sense across the board for both. Uh, So that's one thing. In terms of fit and players we know are available, I did a little work on the trade machine. And there's an interesting one that I wanted to ask uh, our Warrior fans here about. Wiseman and Looney straight up for Miles Turner works in the trade machine. And I feel like Miles Turner could actually really fit the Warriors quite nicely, actually better than Sabonis. He's that interior shot blocking presence. He can step out, hit the occasional three, doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. Because as much as I just was talking about how much I love Sabonis' game, I don't think he fits there because he needs the ball more to be a creator, which obviously isn't happening in Golden State. I feel Turner like JJ, there. I feel like JJ and June are very partial to Kevon Looney. And I yes, sir. I think there's reason for it. He's actually an underrated player who does a lot of the dirty work for that team. I center. don't disagree with you there. The reason that I had to use him is I was looking at the contracts, and he's the one that slots with Wiseman where the money works. Otherwise, you're trading. I mean, if you could substitute him out in theory for like three $1.5 million players, then you could keep him on as the backup, which would probably be ideal. 
But what do you guys think of that? Would you be happy if you traded Wiseman for Turner? Turner's under contract for this year and next, by the way. I'm, I'm going to let JJ take the first swing. Go for it. Well, we just played the Pacers, and Sabonis tore us up. But I'm all about win-now mode. Windows close. We all know that. And we need to capitalize on Steph Curry's career, Draymond, and Clay. I think they're just going to wait and see how Clay and Wiseman come back. But, like, I love that Sammy talked about defense, especially in the center position. Because I feel that Wiseman was a defensive liability last year. His plus and minus was worse on the team. Even... Even Ubre had a better plus minus. Ouch. Hell no. Ouch. Michael Jordan is True. Michael Jordan is laughing at you right now. <laughs> True. While JJ's giving you know, the crying Jordan face. You know, J, JJ is completely right. Um K, Kayvon Looney is actually weirdly important to the team as far as solidifying the five spot. And if Steve Kerr feels like it's an upgrade to get Miles Turner and that it's not gonna harm the chemistry at all. Because the bad part about about shipping off Looney is that you literally lose years of chemistry. Mm. And if there's anything that we know about the Golden State Warriors is that everything is almost predicated on knowing exactly what the other teammate is going to do. And Looney has been very, very predictable, very solid. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, it's just that he's a, he's a high, what is that, low ceiling... High, high floor, floor kind of guy. Floor. So yeah, you could sub him out and substitute Damian Lee, JTA, and Bielitsa with Wiseman, and then oh, you would God, keep. I love him. See, that's the problem. There's so much depth, good depth on that team that no matter how you construct this trade, you're you're having yeah. to unload good players. So, but that's another one. Just just throwing it out there. I just oh. wanted to see what you guys thought I of like Turner fitting on the Warriors. Let me conclude by saying in the playoffs when it matters you have Aiden, you have Embiid and you have Giannis mm -hmm. who is going to play defense on those right. dudes. That was kind of my point of emphasis for looking at this kind of trade. Hold up. My only counter to that is if it ain't broke don't broke don't fix it. And as a Laker fan, after winning in the bubble in 2020, I know that was special circumstances. Palenka decided, the general manager decided to not resign Dwight and added Schroeder and um, Montrez Harrell, trying to counter some other moves that other teams made. But like June said, chemistry is extremely important. Knowing where guys are going to be on the court when you're making a certain pass, making cuts, is super undervalued. We always look at big names, we always look at you know the the, the stats. stats we don't look at the intangibles yeah. and i think that's extremely important yeah i agree and um all right i'm gonna move on to our next topic here and you know bleacher report has a report on contenders and their weaknesses and their odds and basically what i want you guys to do is basically tell me if they're reaching or they're or it's accurate i have some examples here like the brooklyn nets they have the lack of scoring depth. The Warriors, they have unremarkable options up front. The Bucks have the Lopez, the Brooke Lopez absence. Basically, the team and their problem. What do you guys think of this list? What stands out to you? 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll pick one or two to focus on. I'm actually going to go to Utah. Uh, Bleacher Report pointed out their weakness as wing defense. I think that's a slight weakness of theirs, but the elephant in the room with them is that the defensive player of the year in the regular season is a total liability defensively in the playoffs, that being Rudy. <laughs> and we've seen this year after year after year. Yeah. They have to prove it in the playoffs. And the problem is, as good as he is in the regular season, they can't post him up. They can't use him to punish other teams. True. And so the Clippers did it last year. They were down 2-0. They put in Batum and started him at center. And all of a sudden, they rang Gobert off the floor. So they need to solve that problem. And it's weird to say that about a guy who's, again, the defensive player of the year in the regular season. But I don't think as constructed, they're going to get past the second round because of that. So in that case, I think that's by far the biggest issue. It's bigger than wing defense. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to quote Kevin Durant again. It's funny that the defensive player of the year gets hunted during the playoffs. And that's Rudy exactly. Gobert. So what about, are, are there any, are there any other picks here? I'm going to go with Duncan Robinson. And his struggles, only because the Heat paid him $90 million for five years, which is yeah. a lot of money. And I know that there's some bad contracts out there. Michael Porter Jr. comes to mind. But if you're paying somebody $90 million, and not just the money, but the, the length of time, five years, is you're kind of strapped. And this year, he's shooting 37% from the field and 33% from three, which is are both downgrades from 2020. 2020... He was shooting 40% from field goal and 41% from three-point in 2020. So downgrade across the board, and he's a key piece. He's a starter for the Heat. He spaces the floor, and if he's not playing well, that's going to affect the other aspects. Even though the Heat are playing well, he is going to be one of those guys that's going to have to step it up if they're going to have a chance to compete in the East and also for a title. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with everything that you said there. I think the Miami Heat, like everyone sort of picks them as like their sleeper in the East and Duncan Robinson has to be a big part of their success this year. Uh, for me, I'm actually going to pick the 76ers here and the Ben Simmons less defense. And the reason why I'm picking them is because currently they're what 20th on defense right now. And so obviously there is a problem there, but the thing that they're not taking into consideration is that Ben Simmons is a huge trade piece. It's not currently, it's a problem that's current, but it might not be a, a problem later on if they can move Ben Simmons for some more pieces. I mean, how much money is really sitting there, right? Right. That they could use to match it with other stuff. So I don't. That was my pick, actually, the 76ers. Yeah. Because absolutely. it's not even just. Ben Simmons is not there playing and that's a trade piece, but Embiid is playing crazy minutes right now. Oh, right. And he's had injury issues. So what's going to happen when it comes to playoffs? Ooh. And he got injured in the playoffs last year. He that's played true. through it. Give him all the credit for the toughness, but this is clearly someone who needs to be playing close to 30 minutes a night max just based on durability. Right. You know, these are all interesting points, but I'm going to move us on to our last segment here. And RJ is going to hit us off with our predictions here. I'm going to give us a quick breakdown off, off of our, um, like basically what the scoreboard is. Sammy is in first place here. 
is five and one with predictions. I'm second place, four and two. JJ and John are tied at two and four. So RJ, you got some games for, uh, games for us to predict? Are we have the Warriors at Celtics. Sammy, who do you have? So I'm going to go a little contrarian here. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Celtics. And the reason I'm saying that is because as focused as the Warriors normally are, I'm sure they will be on a level. You're coming down from a historical accomplishment in the most famous arena in the league. I feel like there's going to be a, just a little bit of an emotional letdown in this game. And so I think the Celtics you. will take advantage. <laughs> I know it's blasphemy on this that podcast. That is blasphemy! There, there's got to be some emotional letdown after the last game because it was literally one of the greatest accomplishments in history that the team got to witness and they're still on the road they're still traveling so i just i see a little bit of a letdown here and i think boston takes this game sammy being a party pooper jj who do you have (laughs) i always bet on the warriors (laughs) there we go all right john even if i thought the celtics were gonna win based on all of the act the good points that Sammy made, I would have never picked the Celtics based on principle, so I'm going to go with the Warriors. <laughs> Bro. Man, we've talked about the Celtics before. They cannot be trusted. They can't be trusted. But you know who you could trust? Steph Curry, the three-point <laughs> champion, man. I'm going with the Warriors. All right, for our next games, we got Lakers at Wolves. John, who do you have? I'm picking the Lakers, but if the Wolves beat beat them, I'm going to be super pissed. Pissed. (laughs) Lakers. (laughs) All right, Sammy, who do you have? That really, really makes me want to take the Wolves, but I'm actually going to agree with John. I think the Lakers take this. They seem to be finding their flow a little bit, especially since they discovered sharpshooter Austin Reeves tonight. My boy, Caruso's replacement, baby. Let's go. JJ. Just for entertainment sake, I'll pick the Wolves and D'Lo's gonna blow up. <laughs> now we well, know why exactly. Now we know why JJ's two and four. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you're right. You you're right. Dang, Sammy took my point, man. Bringing up Austin Reeves. I gotta go Lakers, man. Going Lakers. For the final game, we have Cavs at Bucks. JJ, who do you have? I gotta go Cavs, man. The Bucks, they have uh, health issues. Giannis just got um, categorized with COVID issues. And Middleton's out with an injury upon their other health mishaps. So, gotta go with the Cavs. Ouch. Literally. Bro, who do you have? You know, I'm gonna go the other way here. I'm going to say the Mavs, I mean, sorry, the Cavs are a young team. They're going to be like, oh, this is going to be such an easy win. And then they're going to flop. And I'm going to say that the championship Bucks come out with a victory here. (laughs) Okay, John. (laughs) I'm going to go with the Cavs. And Kevin Love, the, the corpse of Kevin Love has been restored and he's been playing well again. How old is he? Like 56 or something? (laughs) <laughs> the corpse of Kevin Love <laughs> Lastly Sammy who do you have I'm going with the corpse uh, I, I, I like the Cavs in this game as well <laughs> Alright guys thanks 
Alright, thanks RJ for doing that. Boys, I have to thank you for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, guys, and thank you, listeners. John, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. Ho, ho, ho. And that's actually Santa saying saying it. (laughs) And Sammy, thank you. Always a pleasure. And of course, I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.